1: Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Oxygen Star podcast, where we bring you your ABCs, adventures, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet here in Mono County. I'm your co-host, Stacy,
2: And as always, I'm the other co-host, Christopher.
1: And with us, as always, is our producer, Doug. Hi, Doug. How's it going?
0: It's, it's, it's strangely busy in the computer business before... School.
1: <laughs> Before the holiday yes. break? Well, more importantly, have you done all your Christmas shopping? You are the only one in this room who say. has. <laughs> Congratulations. You win.
2: It is the holiday season.
1: Yes, but we love it. We do love it's it. it. It's the chaos. It's the chaos that I love. It wouldn't be a holiday without a little bit of of stress.
2: Stress, emotion, lots of high calorie food.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. And, and hot chocolate. And hot chocolate. Because it's cold. There's no no snow, but there's, it's cold. (laughs) And speaking of hot, hot chocolate, we got to do an adventure together again, which was so fun. Yeah. We went to, well, Christopher and his husband Wills and me and my husband Joe, we went up to the Cardinal Resort Christmas Village, Mm -hmm. which is located up up by Aspendale, right outside of Bishop at about 9,000 feet elevation. Uh,
2: Bishop Creek Canyon.
1: Yes, and it was so beautiful. We went on a Saturday morning and every year for the last nine years, the Cardinal Resort has had a little Christmas Village. And I've been talking about this to Christopher Mm -hmm. for years. We have to go, we have to go. And we finally made it happen. And oh my gosh, what an adorable little village, Santa's village.
2: (laughs) It was cute. It
1: was so cute. And even though there wasn't any snow, of course, they said last year they had lots of it. Well, of course, like everybody buried in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just it was packed lots of families with little kids. I think we, we probably the only two couples there without any children (laughs) of any ages to speak of, but we had a good time. Um, they had really the best hot chocolate I've ever had. I'm very picky about your hot hot chocolate. chocolate. Yeah. And this was Really good. I drink all of it.
2: Well, you know, sometimes I think uh, I love Christmas markets, and it's one of the yes. things I miss about the city, or you know, whenever we've been overseas during the holidays in the past. There's always these Christmas markets, yeah. and getting hot chocolate or mulled cider right. or mulled wine or something like that. So it was a delight to find it here at the Cardinal
1: yes. Cardinal and Village. You thing. had a, a mulled wine, yeah, I which believe. was also was nice. It, good?
2: it was good, but don't you think yeah. that all those things always taste better in that environment? too? A- oh,
1: abs- absolutely. Absolutely. yeah 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 it's it's the because it, it's the whole thing Experience. yes yeah. and they they also were selling Christmas trees cinnamon rolls um elves or gnomes they're yeah, they're exactly. gnomes they're not elves <laughs> they're gnomes um they had a, a little ice skating rink which was not it wasn't, so frozen, it wasn't yet. frozen yet. The fish
2: pond wasn't quite not, frozen not quite, over,
1: but it it get it's going to get there soon. Um, they had crafts, gift shopping. It was just it was wonderful.
2: And Santa was there. and
1: Santa was there with the longest line of kids, <laughs> really behaving quite quite nicely, I must say. Um, they have and they also have a little. They turned their cafe into the gingerbread cafe, mm-hmm. which was. Adorable too, and I had an opportunity to chat with Tilly. So shout out to Tilly who um, got me my hot my hot cocoa, my hot chocolate. And she was talking, telling us about how you know this has been going on for nine years, and that when it started out, they just thought, "Oh, we'll have somebody dress up as Santa and we'll invite the kids to come." And that was in one room by the restaurant that they kind of. Blocked it off. And every year it it grew and grew. And now Santa has his own little workshop where the pictures are are taken. And you know, there's all these different areas with activities. And they had a little sliding, like a toboggan. There's no snow. So they they
2: crafted a do-it-yourself toboggan run. It was great. It
1: was so cute. And they have a a sleigh that you can take pictures on. We took some pictures and um. It was it was a really lovely, lovely way to spend a Saturday morning.
2: And for, you know, a lot of the visitors to the area, will, and of course, local residents will know a little bit about the Cardinal Resort, yes. but maybe it's been around a while, right?
1: Yeah. So it is actually, the resort is actually at the site of the mine. So there was a Cardinal Gold mine that dates back about 115 years and most of the cabins at, that you can go stay in at the resort now were built around the turn of the century, the the last turn the of, last the century, of the century, yes, um, and, you know, were used to house the miners at the time, and now they're used to house visitors. So, um, yeah, quite a lot of history and um, there, and a great launching place to go for some really cool hikes, um, you know, right. Right off of the resort.
2: Yeah. Even this time of year, you they close the road mm-hmm. kind of right at Aspendale, which mm-hmm. normally goes all the way up to Lake Sabrina right. and, and you can drive up to North Lake and stuff like that. But they close the road this time of year. And before the snow gets too deep, you can hike right. or, or snowshoe or ski yeah. up that closed road. And so just a couple of weeks ago, Wills and I had gone up to North Lake, which is right. just up and around the mountains behind Cardinal Resort. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of, it's a nice... Two mile up, two mile down hike on a on a road. So mm-hmm. it's not like hike hike. Right. It's kind of just uphill a walk. walking for mm-hmm. a while. But you get such great views. And you yeah. get to look down on on Cardinal and, and all that kind it's, of stuff. It's beautiful. The
1: area was really beautiful and it was just really fun. It was the perfect like temperature to be outside. You know, it wasn't too too cold, too hot. You know, it was just right. It was yeah. in the Goldilocks.
2: So phase. we, we definitely would recommend, you know, yes. on the holiday season, um, keep your eye open on the weekends for what's going on up at the
1: Cardinal yes. Resort. And they, they open the Christmas village, you, the weekend after Thanksgiving every year, it's open Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays through the Christmas holidays. So cool if you get a chance next year, cause we'll air this after it's already been closed, yeah. um, please head up there and and check it out because it was was a lot of fun. And
2: listeners, uh, please hang out. We're going to be back in a few minutes to talk about books and how we find out about them.
0: We'll be right back. You're dialed in to Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet, originating from the slopes of Mammoth Mountain in Mono County, California. You can find us at SoundCloud... You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at oxygenstarvedpodcast.com. Just make sure you find us.
2: Welcome back, listeners. We're at the Be the Books portion of the podcast one of our favorites, right? Oh, yes. (laughs) Because we read a lot and we We have opinions. Yeah. Um, And for this episode, we thought, you know, one of the things we we would talk a little bit about some books we've been reading, but also how we find out about our books. Because I get this question quite often, actually, is how did you find out about this book you're telling me about? Or where do you go to find out about your books? So we're just going to weave that into the conversation. Is that okay?
1: Yeah. Sounds good. Well, what are you reading? I'm sure you'll have more Compelling ways to find books than I. I will? don't
2: know. Okay. <laughs> so,
1: but in in any case, actually, the this last book that I just finished mm-hmm. you gave me because you had an advanced copy, right? And I was got all excited because it's one of my one an author I really really love, and so this title was Expiration Dates by Rebecca Cyril, and it it's not released yet, but it's soon to be released and you know i've i've read a few of her other books and really enjoyed them and rebecca cyril is she is a master of playing with time yeah and changes in in time or when things happen or how long things happen that it's kind of a theme in in a lot of her in se- several of her books mm-hmm. So um expiration dates tells a story of Daphne and Daphne is very unique in that she she is not married but she gets these little notes with a name and a number and that's how long the next relationship will last and <laughs> the book does not explore where these notes come from but they just appear but it's like her her relationships are all, you know, predestined to last a certain amount of time. What
2: an interesting construct to was build it, a story around. It,
1: I would have never thought of that. I mean, it was really, and then how Rebecca Cyril goes about sharing the different relationships. Mm-hmm. It's not linear in any way. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciated that because it could have been kind of like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> and and it wasn't, it wasn't like that at all. So, um, you know, Daphne, the, the story goes to tell about, you know, her, her work relationships that mm-hmm. she has with her, her boss and her, her colleagues and her, and the relationship she has with her parents and her, and a couple of her friends. And she, and then it centers on this one relationship that she gets in uh, with somebody named Jake and that's okay. all I'm going to say.
2: Okay.
1: And, um, but it, it, how Rebecca Cyril weaves the story and develops that relationship juxtaposed with other relationships was really wonderful. I read this book almost straight through. Really, Couldn't put it down. I loved it. Awesome. Um, and so good job, Rebecca Cyril. And you're <laughs> going to have a hit. Uh, um, I hit with this one, I, I know, but so, you know, you asked how we find our books. So this one I happen to see on your, your desk. And a lot of the books that I've read over the last five years have been recommendations from you <laughs> or books that you and I have decided that we want to read for the podcast right. together. Right. Um, And sometimes, you know, a guest will say, oh, you know, we'll talk about a book that they've just read and... I will read that one as well. I I have I just also started about halfway through the book Made right now by Stephanie Land, which is nonfiction. I mean, it's kind of a memoir.
2: Yes, it is. Yeah.
1: Um, and you know, talks about her tells about her experiences being a maid and 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 a mom of a young child and everything that she's doing to struggle to stay alive mm-hmm. and, you know, exist in a trying to make a living in this profession. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really good. And that one, that I came to that book because I was in the, in an airport <laughs> and I saw her next book called Class, which right. is new, a new release. Yes. And it said it was a sequel. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, I better go back and read um, the the first book.
2: So you found. You found so I found it through,
1: through a bookstore because it. You know I wanted to read the sequel, but typically for me, if I'm looking for a book, I love the apps Libby and Hoopla, mm-hmm. which are uh, attached to the Mammoth Lakes Library and public libraries mm-hmm. around the country. Mm-hmm. And you can, if you have a library, a public library card, you can download these apps, and then you can download all kinds of. Books and audiobooks and magazines and mm-hmm. um, they're not always like you're not. You might have to wait a while to get a a bestseller, you know, sure. one of the newer books. But I'll just scroll through the books, you know, what's there for fiction or nonfiction if that's what I'm looking for, and I, I would say I find something to read you know, nine times out of ten. And I usually really enjoy it. That's awesome. And, you know, you're given a time limit.
2: Of course. It's like a so, regular print book. Yes. Yeah.
1: And which is good for me because it makes me <laughs>
0: Make sure makes read me
1: it. read it. So so those are those are two of the the most the biggest places where I find books to read. And then there is another app called Pop Sugar, which is kind of like a pop culture app it has all these different areas of interest, everything from you know beauty, fashion fitness, food living you know tech all all these different areas, but they also have a lot. I would say at least once a month, they have a 15 titles of Suspense that oh, sure. you need to read now. Oh, and, sure. I love know, those lists. Yeah. And they also, in these last couple of years, well, since COVID, I want to say, they that app has done a, a reading challenge that is really extensive. I mean, like granular like mm-hmm. read a book whose title starts with a but ends with the letter s sure i mean it's like that specific people um, love those things the, there it's it, it's really i i printed it out right i printed <laughs> out what the challenge was because i wanted i thought that would be another way to yeah. find books to read and it was daunting sure i mean i with all the things, the reading that we have to do for this show, mm-hmm. there's no way I could fit that in. <laughs> um, and, but anyway, so Pop Sugar is another place, and then, then of course, don't judge. I'm, I'm I trying. Also, I'm
2: hold, closing my mouth right now.
1: Read. A, I this year I have read a lot of Reese Witherspoon's book picks.
2: Oh no, that's awesome. She picks good books. She
1: picks good books. Yeah. And, you know, and of course, the Queen, Oprah. <laughs> I I always Oprah look, has people who pick her books uh, for her. Well, but I I you know, <laughs> I have I'm old school. I was there at the right. beginning right. with yeah, there her you go. when she was the only one. Yeah. And I, you know, I I that first year that she had her book, her book club, mm-hmm. I read every single book that mm-hmm. she read. I've gotten away from that, yeah. but you know, she's she's the OG.
2: She is, she's done a lot to yeah. help um, authors and Absolutely. encourage reading. Yeah, and you know Reese Witherspoon, Sarah Jessica Parker. You know the morning shows, the the morning news right. shows that do their own book clubs. Yep. Um, they they owe a little bit to Oprah for kind of setting that model.
1: Absolutely, yeah. and then of course I have to say my daughters, Sarah and Tessa. I They always tell me, I'm very fortunate, and Brody, my son Brody, too. Mm-hmm. I've got it. Sorry, Brody, of course. But all three of my kids are big readers. Wonder why. <laughs> um, and they're not forced. I don't force them. But right. they, they all like to read. And so we all share um, titles. In fact, the one of my favorite books that I read this year was called The House in the Cerulean Sea. TJ Kloon TJ Kloon loved, 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 loved that book so much, and that was a book that my son told me, "Mom, you have to read this book." And my kids know me so well because I awesome. loved it.
2: And he's got a new book out, Puppet, Lives of Puppets." So
1: TJ Kloon doesn't. Yeah. My son. Oh no. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Maybe Brody maybe, will have maybe a book one out someday. Yeah, yeah. There you go.
1: But uh, yeah, so that that's that's a little capsule of what.
2: So where so I find my books. I was expecting you to say a little bit about book talk. TikTok.
1: Oh. Do you get
2: recommendations from there or do you get reactions? Is that's where you kind of go to kind of get a just a flavor of stuff?
1: You know, you that's a really good, a really good question. So, you know what I find myself doing with book talk is I will save when when and there are a couple. Um a the dog eared bookshop. Mm-hmm. She is that's a bookstore on the mm-hmm. East Coast, and she is one of my favorite book talkers. And I will save her book talks like if there if she talks about a book that I'm interested in I'll save it but then I always forget to go back <laughs> you know cuz I'm on to other things and um but I I would I'm I always there are a lot of book talkers mm-hmm. and when I say talk it's T O K is yeah. what I'm referring yeah. to um I, I, I watch a lot of them but I, it it's kind of time and place. Like if, yeah. if if I'm near the bookie joint and I know they've just talked about a book that I want to read, or I'll, I'll write down the title and I'll put it on my list and. Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe sometimes get I get
1: to it and sometimes I don't.
2: It's so. funny because I do the same thing. I follow a few bookstores on social media. You know, there's local ones like Spellbinder yeah. and Bishop has a, has a Facebook page and Chaucer's Bookstore in Santa Barbara because I used to work there. Right. And it's a great indie. And then a few other indies around the country and around in the UK as well. Yeah. And what I like about them is is I just, you know, often I just scroll past, but sometimes they'll surface something that's really unique Yeah. and it catches my eye. And since I'm on social media, usually with my iPad, or mm-hmm. my phone. I just screen print right. it yep. and it goes into my photo feed. And so if anyone were to find my photo feed in any of my devices, most of those are screen prints of books that so, I've got to go back to and read someday. So
1: my, I have a lot of those as well, but <laughs> I, I will say that one of the books that I shared, that was my top three of the year, which mm-hmm. was the Secret Society of Very Interesting Witches, <laughs> or very irregular witches, mm-hmm. was a recommendation from the dog-eared bookstore. They're you go, and she she so sold me on you know cozy fall found family I love you know all the tropes I love all those tropes and so I that was one that I I definitely picked downloaded right after she said
2: it yeah that's so, awesome
1: yeah so that was great what about you
2: well um you mentioned. Uh, getting the advanced copy of Expiration yeah. Dates" by Rebecca Cyril and the way you just described it, because I haven't read it. So for our, our listeners, people who work in libraries and bookstores and in the book industry often get advanced copies from publishers. And these can be so like little cheap paperback versions that are going to come out of books that will come out in the next three to six months, or we now increasingly get ebook versions of those. So we use both of those Mm -hmm. in my world. And that was where that came from, a, a shipment from a publisher of a small pile of books. And your description of it reminded me of another advanced copy I just downloaded because I heard the author talk, this first novel by Holly Gramazio. It's coming out in April and it's called Husbands. And similar That's kind of similar to this notion of getting a piece of paper with how long your next relationship Mm -hmm. is going to last. (laughs) This is the uh, first, an intriguing first novel of a woman who comes home from work one day. She's single and her husband greets her at the door. And yeah, surprise her, you know, what's going on? I'm not married. But it turns out apparently she is married. And then during the course of that interaction, the husband goes up into the attic to change a light bulb and a different husband comes back down. So
1: okay, yeah. we have to read this like yeah, for yeah, a totally
2: podcast. we do. But it kind of is that kind of like let's right. find a constructive, unique way to talk about that's extremely, relationships.
1: extremely unique, and it's supposed yes. to be
2: very funny. And I really liked her. But that I just got an advanced copy and as an ebook from okay. one of the ebook advanced copy providers. That again, if you're a, in the book industry or you're a librarian or a bookseller. Um, you can request advanced copies from and So I get quite a few of them from that. You know, the book that I'm reading right now, I'm actually listening to. It's by Dan Ariely. You may know the name. It's called Misbelief, What Makes Rational People Believe Irrational Things. This book came out a few months ago. I saw the reviews of it. It didn't really catch my eye. It's not necessarily the type of book I would normally... Pick up, but it came back to me in a best of list, best audiobooks mm. of 2023. Okay. And so I thought, oh, wow, well, someone thought this was even better as an audiobook. And so I, I got a copy of it. Um, and I will tell you again, not normally something I go through in print, but in audio the guy the narrator has a nice british accent it's uh-huh. like listening to an expert lecturer okay um and since we, we all have long commutes in the eastern yep. sierra I, um it's good and i have to say it's really fascinating and, and it's become a title i'd recommend you know um the notion of what makes people that we all know and love and highly educated people and well-rounded people buy into conspiracy theories mm. and i think okay. most of us know someone like that oh yes so um he kind of goes into what makes people do that and it is a little disturbing but it makes me have more understanding and compassion for people who um do believe in conspiracy theories a little better he he purposely doesn't use conspiracy theory he he thinks these people are misbelieving they're given erroneous information and so what does it take to to Um, change that. I won't go into any more of it. I'm not Mm -hmm. done with the book, but I will say it's a good book. You can find it at the library because I'm ordering a copy. Um, And hint, if you want to understand why some people are so reluctant to change their mind on an issue like climate change, despite being presented with loads of correct data and information on it, um, he says, think about your own reaction to if your doctor told you you needed to give up chocolate for your health, what would your reaction be? You'd and I was thinking my reaction, would I, I would fight tooth and nail to keep eating <laughs> chocolate. And I would probably go out and do all sorts of research on my chocolate is good for you. Right. And, and, and try to, try to rationalize sh- right. everything, you know, and, until I actually was forced to give up chocolate. So and, and it's those kinds of little things that make this concept relatable to the okay. person who's reading or listening to this book, Misbelief by Dan Ariely. We will put the titles for our books on our webpage, of course, so don't worry about it. But, um, so that was in a best of list from a website called lit Hub.com, which mm-hmm. is really popular among booksellers and librarians, but it's available for anyone to go to. And similar to kind of what um, pop sugar does mm-hmm. with its books, lit Hub does a lot of top lists or books in this genre you should read or new yeah. books coming out this spring or books that came out last spring, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and then they also are really good at surfacing some books that are not necessarily the bestsellers. What's the next mm-hmm. level down? What's the stuff that's not necessarily going to be on the front table of the bookstore right. or the library, but you would be interested in it anyway? So yeah. a lot of literary and nonfiction kind of stuff.
1: I, I like that because I always wonder when I go on to like Apple Books, mm-hmm. you know, like the little yeah. yellow icon mm-hmm. and it'll, you know, you're looking up what's the latest fiction. And I always wonder how how much of those are they really you know, do they really think are good, whoever's Mm -hmm. putting that app together, or how much of it is, well, that publisher has invested so much money, you know, to, to get their book on that, that list.
2: It's a little bit of both, right? In reality. And I think we all understand that. And let's face it, you know, I've said this before, I think on this podcast, when I started as a librarian in the nineties, there were about 70 to 80,000 new titles published in the U.S. in a given year. Now it's in the millions. Wow! And this is partially because of self-publishing and Amazon and anyone can write a book and publish it today. And so how do you sift through and find the stuff In that giant pile that is really worth reading, or you know, for booksellers or librarians that you want to put on your shelves that you think your community will will want to read, so there are some tools around that. You know, we have a in libraries we use um, a vendor database that Mm -hmm. is much like Amazon.com. You search for books, and that's how you find out about the new titles that are coming out that you might not otherwise know of. They do a the really good job of pushing lists and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like your readers are going to want this. Or, yeah. you know, if you're a California resident, you're probably going to be interested in this book kind of thing. Those kind of helpful, helpful things. And those that's, the kind of thing that I as a librarian rely on for the stuff okay. that I wouldn't be interested in that I'm not yeah. going to search out. So, you know, Britney Spears, new memoir.
1: <laughs> you know,
2: that's how I found out about it. And of course we do get stuff from publishers as well. And we go to a lot of um, publisher showcases. Mm-hmm. So for instance, Tommy Orange, who wrote There right. There.
1: Yes, he's, he's got a new book. He a
2: new book coming out in March called Wayward Stars. He was just at a publisher showcase last week and I got an advanced copy of oh, that. So I'm nice. really excited to read that. And then of course there's always reviews I'm always referencing starred reviews, mm-hmm. um, uh, so librarians pay a lot of attention to that as well. But there are quite a few things that you know used to be just available to those of in the biz that are now available to the general public, mm-hmm. including our listeners. So, LitHub. Mm-hmm. Best of list, the library, Mono County Library System will put out its top reads of 2023 yeah. at the end of December. So we have to get you my titles. You do. And listeners, you can come into any of our seven branches and get a copy of that brochure or find it on our website. I've talked about lithub.com. Book Riot is another website that a lot of um, librarians go to. It's a little Mm. more genre-focused. And it's one that I think a lot of people follow because the people who recommend books on Book Riot are are similar similar reading tastes as much as anything. So that one is good. And then we've talked about social media. I also do follow a lot of authors that I like to read because often an author um mm-hmm. will support fellow authors and help promote yes. new books and you find out books that way. They I like to say that um, you know, authors as a species are very supportive of each other. So they're always like boosting yes. their friends' work too. A-
1: to and Ann Patchett has is a book talker and yes. she always she has a, every Friday she releases a a TikTok about if it's not if it's new to you. If you've never read it, it's new to you. That's yeah, what she says.
2: That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. And then I think we both, um, so she and she owns a bookstore too. So yes. that's doubly awesome there. She gets it. And I think you and I also would agree, we kind of pay attention to book review sections of papers like The Guardian,
1: New the York Times, Times for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that's usually where I find out about like who's been nominated for book awards or stuff like that. Um
1: Yeah, you've you got you have me all like tuned in to when the national book award nominees come out. And then when the national book awards (laughs) are given it, I I'm all like zoned in on that, that now that's
2: see, I've had any effect on you. You
1: have. Yeah,
2: for sure. I I pay attention to that. And as well, the Booker prize in the UK is also a big one. Big one. Also get their books are generally out in the States as well. And often very popular. But I think the last thing I wanted to say about how I find books and, well, two things. One, I'm going to plug libraryreads.org. This is a monthly list of 10 new adult fiction and nonfiction titles chosen by America's librarians, public librarians around the country, libraries big and libraries small and very rural. Each vote on their top favorite books that are just coming out that month. So it's always new titles. Um, They tend to get a lot of genre fiction, which is good because a lot of genre fiction doesn't make other lists. So, um, and I will, you know, I'm a little biased. I helped found this (laughs) 10 years ago. I was in the founding group. So libraryreads.org, we'll put that on our website. But then the last thing I want to say, because we initially chatted about bookstores, big believer in bookstores. I love to browse a good indie bookstore. So I'm just going to say a couple of things about how I find books there. The first one is I really do judge books by their cover. Covers in Me a couple too. of ways. Yes, yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. alone. I think it's it's a for cliche sure. that has um, truth in it.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, really complex, artistic, or unique covers signal an investment by the publisher in the title. Otherwise, they wouldn't put that much money into a de- right. graphic design that's going to be printed a gazillion times. So I will always pick these books up and look at them a little closer because there, there's the publisher is saying this is valuable enough mm-hmm. that we put invested in a real incredible package for it to be sold in. Sold in. And then conversely, I tend to avoid books with trendy or of-the-moment designed covers. And my favorite one that is still happening, it started a few years ago, but I still see them on incoming books, is the one of women with their back to you staring meaningfully into the (laughs) distance. And I can think of three titles right now that are probably on our shelves downstairs. It's become almost a joke among librarians.
1: Okay, so can I ask you a question about that? Mm -hmm. I, I feel like popular fiction has a certain kind of uniform way that covers to books look. Mm-hmm. Do you, I know I'm not, I'm not phrasing that very well, I don't think. But I feel like it goes in waves. Like all books look this way right now. And then all books are going to look a different way in six months. But they all have this like similarity to them. It becomes a
2: trend. It's like fashion, right? The hot color of fall and fashion yeah. is going to be orange. You know, it's. It, you see it in clothing stores. You also see it in retail book selling as well.
1: Never thought about it like that, but um, you're right. And there are major,
2: sense. there are major, major book illustrators out there. The, probably the most famous one is Chip Kidd, who came up in the '80s and '90s and 2000s. A lot of his book covers were like award-winning, wow, quality book covers. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think right now there's a there's a, a new trend in color color-blocked
1: covers with
2: bright, vibrant covers. Yeah, and they're
1: very into like reds and oranges oranges and purples and yellows and... Wow. I'm I'm
2: thinking about um, Curtis Sittenfeld's book. Yes, uh,
1: yeah, romantic comedy. Romantic is all comedy pink.
2: is all pink. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and if you walked by an airport bookstore or any bookstore today, you would look. You would see quite a few similar ones, and I think right. they help sell each other. They kind mm-hmm. of help give a mood to the story that makes you think, okay, I kind of want something like that. Yeah, you know, or else they're tricking you. Well,
1: and then you have all the Emily Henry books. You right. know, all of her books have the same, like a similar. Cover right, right now, and uh, it's yeah, it's it's just something I've always wondered about.
2: Well, you know, I think it's fascinating because we could also remember back to our childhood what called the the little house on the book. little house book. of the prairie books, yeah. which we will be hearing about in the next yeah. segment, or or you know, the Sydney Sheldon books, which were right. all kind of like bad basement yes, and, and rec room painting dark kind of covers dark covers yeah it, exactly it's yeah. uh there's definitely trends yeah we can, we can pinpoint a point in time it's like you know archaeology <laughs> <laughs> that's when this book came out without even having to open it up
1: you're right you the other right. thing
2: the other thing that i'll say about um Shopping in bookstores is I no longer put a whole lot of store in author blurbs. Those are those little blurbs right there on the covers or the back covers of yeah. books by other authors. Um, but they can actually dissuade me. And the example I've given to a couple of people this year is I avoided Claire Keegan's brilliant little novel, Foster, for the longest time because David Mitchell, who wrote Cloud Atlas, had blurbed as good as Chekhov. On the cover. And I don't want to pick up Chekhov.
1: Not a Chekhov fan. No.
2: So he's great. You know, it's kind of like Moby Dick. Awesome. I understand why he's important. Right. Um, it's not going to make me pick up a book. In right. fact, it made me avoid the book for the longest, longest time, but actually Foster by Claire Keegan is 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 brilliant. And the last thing I'll say, and, and the, you probably do this too, Stace, is I do pay attention to displays, um, especially if it's an indie bookseller or a library because they're the staff are bringing out their own values and their right. own picks and their own creative ways of displaying mm-hmm. books. And it's not just like the supermarket where the publisher has paid to put their book right. here. So.
1: Yeah, I I love shout out to uh, bookie boy, bookie joint Dave who you know if you go in the bookie joint they'll have staff recommendations and there'll be a little card you know with who one of the people who works for him what book they really like and yeah. I appreciate those I pay attention to them as well. <laughs>
2: So um, yeah, listeners, there's, we'll put links to all these things on the website. There's so many different ways people can find out about books these days, which is kind of what's keeping reading alive. Yeah. You know, it's a really vibrant um, industry and profession to be in. So that's all very, very cool. And we would love to hear from you about how you find out about your books. So go to our website, actually just our podcast.com, or our Instagram account, and and tell us. And in the meantime,
1: dick around, and we'll be right back.
0: Oxygen, a colorless, odorless reactive gas, the chemical element of atomic number eight and the life-supporting component of the air. Starved, suffering a severe and damaging lack of basic material and cultural benefits. Oxygen Starved podcast, a colorless, odorless culture-packed, nutritious podcasts considering books, describing Mono County adventure, and engaging in informative conversation with colorful Eastside Sierra locals. Download it now.
1: Welcome back, listeners. We are at the Conversation C, the C portion of our podcast, and we're so honored to have with us today Ms. Camille Miller, hello, owner of the Fun Shop here in Mammoth Lakes welcome.
3: Thank you so much. It's really a joy and an honor to be here. Thank you for having
1: me. Well, I I know it's hard to take time away with everything you've got going on, but we really appreciate you being here and can't wait to hear more about what you do and have our listeners get to know you a little better. Thank you so much and happy holidays to you
3: guys. And to you.
1: Yes, it is the... Not very snowy holiday season, but we're okay with that. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) We are okay with that. So, Camille, we always ask our guests first off, what is your origin story? What brought you to Mono County and, and Mammoth Lakes and... And the Fun Shop, which is such a cool... It's my favorite
3: story. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. That is so kind. Um, Well, my story actually goes through my husband, Brant Miller. Um, His family has been coming up to the area since the 30s. Wow. Wow. So Brant's grandparents, um, who we call Grandma and Granddad Miller. So if I reference them, it (laughs) might just come out Grandma and Granddad. Good to know. Um, But anyway, they... um, they had been coming up here um, back when it was like days on a dirt road yeah. from San Diego, mm-hmm. yeah. and That whole thing, and we heard their wild stories, and so great. And then my father-in-law, Brant's dad, um, would come up here camping
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, as a young child, and they would just do all kinds of cool, whatever, <laughs> you know, hiking <laughs> right. and backpacking and everything. And um, the the the. The thing that really linked us to the area was actually a cabin because my um, father-in-law was camping with his parents, I want to say he was four, at Coldwater Campground up wow. in the Lakes Basin. Wow. And, um, you know, epic downpour, rains, all that sort of thing happened. Um, you know, we had a summer like that this last summer where it just, yeah. you know, rain and rain. And the summers often were like that. Um you know, 20, 30 years ago, and then way long ago, that's all he remembers was rain, rain, rain. So it was one of those summers and there was like a river going through the tent, Wow! <laughs> you know, and granddad was like, that's it. I'm going <laughs> to go see if we have, you know, somewhere else we could stay. And so he walked down to what's now the Lake Mary Marina, uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, which was, I think it was called the Lake Mary store at that time. It was, you know, in the eighties or whatever. And, um, And so I I don't know that it changed its name, but he went in there and talked to the gentleman and there was this like a cork board with different notices Mm -hmm. and there was a cabin for sale. And so he said, oh gosh, well, I wonder if they'd let us stay the night there or whatever. And then he went back to the campground with a key Mm -hmm. and grandma said oh, how long, how long do we get to stay? Cause it's supposed to be storming for a while. And he said, whenever we want, I bought it. <laughs> oh, wow.
1: <laughs> <And> that's <laughs> so,
2: Oh, that's awesome. On Just
3: on the spot. Yeah. And so that, um, cabin has been in the extended family since cool. 1950. Wow. wow. Yeah. And, um, so Brant is third generation on it. Nice. And our kids are fourth generation on it. And, um, It's up at Lake Mary. So it's a real treasure for us. Mm -hmm. And that really connected us to the area. And so Brant and I would come visit the cabin Mm -hmm. when we were in college. And I visited Mammoth because I grew up in um, South Orange County. And I would come up here, you know, cross-country skiing. Mm -hmm. Um, There was one time when I was on this trip called Sierra Survival, which makes me (laughs) laugh when I I think about this trip name, (laughs) and it was with my science club or whatever, and we were going to come study winter science and cross-country ski. We ended up um, camping on the backside of Mammoth Mountain, well, kind of by... um, their snow pond area, Mm -hmm. they gave us permission to cross country Mm -hmm. ski up the miracle mile and then camp in there. And, um, you know, it was huge snowstorm, right? Like four feet, whatever. My whole tent was covered and I had to, like bang at the walls of the tent to be able to undo the zipper. Oh, wow. This is when I was in high school. Yeah. And I undid the zipper and then I took a photo of all the laden trees. Oh, and, you know, with the, so you know, pretty. through the through the little tent door. And I had that with me. And I was like, oh man, I just want to always live in Mammoth. I just totally want to live here. And then in college, when I met Brant on our first date, he came to pick me up and he saw I had this like vision board with photos and quotes. And he saw that photo and he said, Oh my gosh, that that reminds me of mammoth. And I said, Well, that is mammoth. <laughs> I knew then that was a guy for me. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say instant
2: connection, right?
3: <laughs> so we just always wanted to move here, and finally we were able to to do so, I guess almost 19 years ago. Wow. Full time. Nice. So Great. yeah. It's an incredible place to live and
1: raise children yeah. and be a part of an incredible community. It 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 is. I My husband and I have kind of a similar story of how we got here, but you come here one time and it's kind of magical. And Yeah. It, it is a great place to live and raise kids for sure.
2: It certainly is. And I love it. You know, the Eastern Sierra brings people together.
1: Yeah, right? mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs>
2: I love the versions of that story as well. So um, you moved up here and today we know you you as the owners of the Fun Shop in Mammoth. What 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 was the trajectory that got you there?
3: Well, we um, actually bought the building um, as a real estate investment, and we were going through renovations and trying to figure out how to repurpose the building and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And at the time, I was actually working in the toy industry as a designer. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. And so I helped to design (laughs) toys and um, would put on trade shows and help with commercials and marketing and those kinds of pursuits. And that was really kind of a side gig because I've always been very artistic. Mm -hmm. Um, But commercial real estate investing is our main business mm-hmm. okay. um, as a family, and that's what my husband does. And so um, we were just kind of repurposing the building. But at the time, um, our kids were young, right. and we were homeschooling, mm-hmm. and we're always looking to do projects. Yeah. That's that's how our... Um, That's how the Miller Homeschool goes. You know, we don't just kind of discuss... (laughs) Project-based learning. Project-based learning. So it's always this integrated style. So, you know, our poor kids, we've dragged them through the ringer. So they... On that building helped to go through the whole planning process. I would drag them to the town. I'm meeting That's with the planners great. and going through. Um, they were there when we were jackhammering out old foundations and doing the engineering work for the seismic rebuild. We put in a whole bunch of new peers and... Um, mm-hmm. They got to see all that, you know, digging out the ground on the inside of the building and pouring new piers and putting up I-beams. And so Sage, our oldest, was very interested in engineering. Mm -hmm. And so that, I think, was a bit of a taste of that initially as a younger person and like, you know, whacking the old walls (laughs) with a sledgehammer (laughs) and, you know, stuff like that. But taking them through that whole building renovation process and then the whole process of starting a business and we were kind of thinking, oh, well, we'll sort of do this short term or whatever. You just never really know how these mm-hmm, things right. are going to come together. And then it, it really took on a life of its own. And now it's a part of our community. And I, I never really envisioned that, to be honest. You know, it, you, you start something, you just kind of don't know where
1: it's going to go. And it, then it, turn, it took on a life of its own. <laughs> it's such a special shop. Uh, you know, because it's not just toys. So, f- if our listeners have never been there, tell us a little bit about the fun shop.
3: Oh, thank you. Um, well, it's whatever we think is fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's um, it's a place that we what our goal was to have multi generations being able to gather somewhere, mm-hmm. and also for people to have alternative things to do when. Well, the weather's too poor to be on the mountain or someone gets hurt, you know, people yeah. come up and they, you know, if someone breaks their leg or whatever, but they're still kind of here and they're mm-hmm. in a group and what are they going to do? How do we, how do we bring a, you know, an intellectually yet fun side to kind of these, these groups that want to gather and they find common ground in, you know, jigsaw puzzles yeah. and games that promote conversation. Mm-hmm. And so we have an extensive game department, which, um, sneakily is how we taught a lot of strategic thinking to our kids in homeschool uh, (laughs) because they think they're playing a game, but what they're really doing is learning to think four or five steps ahead. Right. Um, And I think that people of all ages really appreciate that it stimulates the mind in a way that's different than just kind of receiving information, other, you know, receiving other people's ideas. We do a lot of taking in of other people's ideas these days and being able to really promote your own thinking and question your own thinking. Um, Games really do that. So in a lot of ways, it's very stimulating to the mind, but it's also very relaxing to the mind. So... Things that we would do at home in kind of our homeschool environment, we turned into a commercial (laughs) application. (laughs) And so there are are games, there are educational toys, um, there's ice cream, really high-end ice cream, uh, because that's fun. do you, we we do not but we buy from high end creameries and so um but we transform it into custom milkshakes and you know free toppings and and things that are indulgent like hot fudge sure. and you know um so it's nice i mean for me it's 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 really rewarding to see families come in and sit at the tables and enjoy an ice cream and we always have um just games out on the tables, mm-hmm. you know, chessboard right. or whatever. And I love it when the kids who learned in, in school, you know, maybe they're six like, mom, let's play chess. And she oh, says, that's awesome. gosh, I don't, I don't know how to play chess. And he says, oh, well, let's, I'll teach you. And then they'll sit there for like two and a half hours playing chess. Mm-hmm. And now mom knows how to play chess and they had a really great time. So there's a lot of emotional reward for yeah. me on a daily basis. So it's it's easy to get up in the morning and, and do that.
2: I love yeah. how you bring such a strategic vision to this store and what you're offering and what your goals are. And I love that you brought up games because that's something libraries are doing more and more. And in fact, here in, in a couple of our branches, including here in Mammoth Lake, we now do, um, here it's on Friday afternoon. It's just game, come in and play board games um, for kids after school. It's a way to get off the device. They get to work Mm -hmm. with each other. And as you say, they learn to be strategic, learn to work in teams, learn Mm -hmm. to learn all those negotiating things you need to learn. And then I also love that you brought up this multi-generational activity because, and our makerspace does that as well, but it's so important for kids and parents and grandparents to have that opportunity and the excuse to sit down and do something together because we know, you know, there's all sorts of literature out there that, you know, kids are, you know, um, you know very gregarious or what have you and, and moms are often a caregiver, but often dads need an excuse mm-hmm. to talk Right. and doing something with their hands while they're talking is a way to open up and talk. So I don't know. I'm just taking yeah. this too far, but but no, I love what your not. vision I mean,
3: is. No, truly, you're not taking it too far at all. I mean, we see this truly every day and it, I, I don't know. I just feel, I, sometimes I feel a little guilty. Like I see these really intimate moments yeah. and I'm there kind of watching it and I feel, I don't want to be like a voyeur or something, but it's really special yeah. to see these things happen. And I love with dads. So we have We'll put out games, not just chess. I mean, sure. not, mm-hmm. that's not everyone's bag. We have this game called Yeti and My Spaghetti, and it's essentially <laughs> like pickup sticks <laughs> with this Yeti and a bowl. And it's, it was like the weirdest game you've ever heard of. I love it. And it doesn't require a lot of strategic planning. And you can just sit down and just play it. And the laughter oh my gosh. And these are people who are just trying to interact over something, right? Yeah. And not have to. They don't have to talk about the difficult things either. They can just have some fun. That's awesome. And I love that. So, yeah, I've got it really good. (laughs) You did kind of
2: refer to glossingly to something I want to jump back to, which was being a toy designer. So, you know when I worked in New York, um, we would often go to the book trade shows. And one year we got a coveted ticket to a national toy show in New York, which is, you know, where people who are, you know, selling, you know, if you're a a retailer or what have you could come in and kind of order your, your stock or what have you. But this was at this massive convention center in New York city. And it was just acres and acres and acres of toys. And I was in heaven (laughs) and, um, and then none of them would give anything, any freebies away. <laughs>
3: oh no, no, I'm sure you're at Toy Fair at the Javits. Yes, that's exactly yes. it. Uh-huh.
2: Yes, exactly. So have you been, and how did you become a toy designer? How, how, what got you gotta, there?
1: That was the coolest profession ever, I just have to say. <laughs> a lot
3: of just interpersonal connections.
2: Yeah.
1: So I have a theater background
3: mm-hmm. and performance background. So I'm comfortable in front of a camera and doing things that others might find awkward, like dressing up really strangely and like (laughs) dancing around in front of people. So it's like, Hey, you're great at that. Um, I definitely have a, a mind of, you know, creativity and how do we bring story to that? So there was a product a long time ago, um, called the flitter fairies. They're these like magic flying fairies Mm -hmm. that are on this Kevlar string. And Mm -hmm. um, anyway, and we actually wrote a book um, behind the flitter fairies and Mm -hmm. the story and all this. And it was at the time that my brother-in-law was an undergrad at Stanford in product design. And we were trying to figure out the mechanism, the actual um, mechanical engineering mechanism behind doing this fairy to bring it to life. So people thought that it was Mechanically viable, like to get their wings to vibrate, mm-hmm. but then the story behind it would justify why it was floating, even though it didn't actually work that way. Um, it was using Kevlar thread, which is a magician's trick. Shh, don't, don't. <laughs> um so anyway, we brought my brother-in-law in and he designed that. And then later on, we brought his senior project uh to life. He designed a product called air swimmers. They're the giant flying sharks and um that you you've probably seen them on like on uh-huh. Jay Leno and uh-huh. Ellen. And um, so they were a big product at the time that we designed where we again brought story to life. And so when he gave his senior um project, he went out in a full wetsuit. Oh gosh. And then that's what we ended up doing is we're having these wetsuits and fins. So at trade shows, we would fly these through the air and we're in these wetsuits. And then we had lighting that looked like, you know, water. And then people would be able to interact with these giant flying sharks. And we I could attack it. people with sharks and stuff, <laughs> which is really great. Um And, um, so yeah, so I was just in that, it was just a fun time of life in that industry. And so we said, well, how do we, how do we marry toys and fantasy and performance and homeschooling and Mm -hmm. real estate investment? So, you know, people always ask like, is the Fun Shop a franchise? I'm thinking, oh my gosh, there's no way. Like how would, you know, I mean, I, the weirdness of, it's really just, you know, a combination of of my strange brain and my beautiful family's brains and how we like put it all together. And I don't know how we would duplicate How
2: you would replicate
3: it. <laughs> Magical combination, that's true. Um, but I appreciate that people enjoy it. You know, when people come back again and again, Um, It lets me know we're doing something right.
2: I love it. Well, for our listeners, where in Mammoth Lakes is the fun shop if they were driving into town?
3: Thank you. It's right on Main Street, um, directly across from the fire station, kind of
1: by Footloose and Wave Rave. Right. And, um, and the ice cream is sold all year round. Yeah. Okay. Even in the winter. So I th- think that's it's important. It's comfort food. <laughs> yes.
3: I mean, we're going to sell different flavors yes. of ice cream in the winter. Salted caramel goes mm. much faster in the winter, whereas in the summer we're more in like pineapple sherbet and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> cones sell more in the summer and fudgy items are more in the winter. But, um, but yeah, year round. Um. It's a treat, you know. <laughs> so, ha-
1: so having a store like that, that a you know retail sort business that operates year round, do y- we always ask our our guests, you know, what do you like to do for fun? Do y- do you have time to take off <laughs> and have fun? And with everything that you've got going on, um, it's super
3: seasonally dependent. So, spring and fall, like mm-hmm. most businesses things are quieter around yeah. here, which we kind of relish, I will say. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, it doesn't make it great a great set of business circumstances. Yes. <laughs> you know, you have to really kind of make all your money in the summer and all your money in the winter. And then in spring, the fall, you kind of go like, do-do-do. Mm, <laughs> but that's, I mean, we obviously make use of our time. So yeah. that's when we're using our... Um, time for lovely things like paperwork. Oh. It's like my favorite thing, <laughs> right? So. Yeah. And um, all the receiving and getting yeah. things organized for the holidays and just right. transitioning seasons, yeah. you know, where the summer things um, sell out or get boxed up or whatever. And then we're into full winter mode and, um, you know, it's It's really like running two businesses, yeah. sure um I'm sure a bunch of other businesses experience that too mm-hmm. um because the summer business is so different from the winter business right. I mean for us, maybe yeah. not for others, but for us, it really is because the type of visitor that comes in the summer is not necessarily the same visitor as the winter
1: it's so so, it's so interesting i've mm-hmm. you, you know you've you're echoing what what other guests have said and what we've come to know, and it's it's so interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, in the summer, I mean, the whole Eastern Sierra is our visitor. Right. You know,
3: they, they visit here and and Bishop, and they're climbing in the gorge, and then they're heading up to Yosemite. And so they're, you know, the wildlands are much more opened up. Yeah. In the winter, it's a much more focused visitor mm-hmm. where they're coming just to Mammoth. and. Yeah and frankly they're hemmed in by the snow so they they don't have that same mobility to unless they really enjoy backcountry pursuits which is a is a niche environment mm-hmm. so um people don't necessarily say hey let's go backpacking in the winter i mean certainly there are those who do but it's just a different yeah and you really feel the concentration of individuals in a different way at from a business owner's perspective because there's just less land yeah uh, you know in the in the summer you can have so many more people populating this area and you really don't feel crowded Mm -hmm. in the same way as in the wintertime, you'll feel more crowded with far fewer people. That's
1: such a good point. It's true. So you're so right. It can be so intense here in the winter.
3: Yeah. Because everyone's in the same place at the same time. Right. Exactly. So, you know, figuring out how to... But of course, we're we serve as a bit of a concierge, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just sort of part Mm -hmm. of what we do as all business owners do, you know, where's the, this and that, what do we do and how do we get here and there and just trying to be, um, gracious hosts to Mm -hmm. our community. (laughs) That's a big part of what we, what we train with our team, with our staff. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of, um, just working on how to be gracious hosts to the area, not just in the fun shop specifically. Right, um, which uh I think makes our visitor feel welcomed you know in a in a very different way,
1: and that's what we want you know we want people to feel welcome when they come here, and the libraries yeah. or you know yeah, schools everywhere. we're all in the same that same boat of wanting to, people to feel welcome and cared for, and you know that we've got their backs. <laughs>
3: yeah, absolutely. And they feel that safety. So that's always the the all day conversation is, when do you think the highway, I heard it might <laughs> close. <laughs> when do you think the highway is going to close? You know, so yeah. all, all that kind of stuff, you know, that to be discussed is to, to make sure. So we don't want people to come to the area and not feel safe. Right. And, and feel like they're stuck here right. too. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we help we help through those things. You and you're know?
2: in a way what you're describing is, is extending the generosity that was shown to right. your grandparents back in the fifties when mm-hmm. they were looking for a place to right. sleep in the exactly. rain, right? Like you're yeah. someone that now a family or multiple families, I'm sure over generations now yeah. have stories about the fun yeah. shop, you know, like right. it's just part of their family experience. Mm-hmm. That's awesome.
3: Thank you. That's super kind. I, <laughs> I'd love to I'd I'd love it if that were true. And I I, I think it is true, but I think, still
1: I want to be very humble about it. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's true and you should be very proud. Yeah. So tell us what do you like to do when you're not at the fun shop? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so distracted. Don't, You've no, asked me that. And no, here I am
3: not answering not you. You're um good. so I everything. <laughs> um I um I just I like to be outside. Yeah. And whatever that looks like, I mean, I love walking on the bike path. I know that's really simple, but I just like that It's beautiful. It's yeah. I mean, it's who gorgeous. gets to go on a bike path just walking right here by the library right? and see this view? I mean, it's mm-hmm. just incredible. Recently, um I took my son, um, skating over at the, the rink. So that's, you know, that's new. And, um, we, um, we cross country ski a lot. Um, my family, all Alpine ski, except for me, I learned when I was, I mean, I can, I can make it down the mountain, but it's not very pretty. Um, unlike my husband, who's a former racer and he's like the most beautiful skier you've ever seen in your life. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> um i am not that yeah that's all right i feel you but um um but i am a backpacker okay that's awesome and i love the trails and my um husband and i've done a lot of long distance backpacking we actually oh, threw nice. hikes the appalachian trail oh beautiful you know cool. 100 years ago when i was young and vibrant and um so we, um, we love that. And, and our kids are great backpackers too, That's actually, wonderful. you know, uh, they'll go on solo backpacks and, um, and then of course, you know, getting together with friends mm-hmm. and like going out to dinner and yeah. just all those simple things too, right. having people over the house, um, Playing games, I hate to say it, but truly like we play a lot of games at my house, like a lot. I would hope so. Yeah. I'm really into this new game called Poetry for Neanderthals. Have you played it? I have. I've heard of it, but I have not oh played it. Oh my gosh. It is so funny. It's kind of like old school password or taboo also, you know, where you're trying to get a partner to say a word without saying certain words on the card. Right. But the kicker in this one... Is that you can only use one-syllable words? This is where yeah. I've heard it.
2: Someone else right. was telling me about this. This sounds
3: great. Oh my gosh! The so it has this card and it has a one-point word and then it has a three-point word. Um, so you kind of try to get everybody to say the one-point word and then you're allowed to use that word to describe for the three-point three point. word, okay. which is very helpful. But there was one that was dog and then dog house and my husband. Oh my God, he's so funny. He says um, this. Uh, when I know nice to mom, this where I sleep at night. <laughs> I was like, oh that's my hilarious. It that was so like, funny.
2: I would just run out of one syllable words
3: so did, after about 30 seconds. I would seconds. get so
1: panicked like trying to think I of know, them. and you're
3: going against a timer and you're trying to do all these cards yeah, because that's how you score. Is yeah. like you did five of them or whatever. And then the best part is there's a blow up club and no. so the other team hits you oh. with the blow up club if you use two syllables or whatever. Oh. It's so funny. It's a good game, poetry for Neanderthals. And, and
1: now, do you sell it at the Fun Chap? Yeah. So come over. That's and where pick I discovered
3: it. Because I'd heard it's made by um, the people who. Um, Make Exploding Kittens Yeah, another great game and so is their new game so of course I always try these games out and um, it's so funny
2: (laughs) well we will listeners put a link to the fun shop on our show page Um, so you don't have to have written down poetry for Neanderthals don't pull over to the side of the highway (laughs) it'll be waiting for you when you get home but moving from one syllable words onto multi-syllable words (laughs) we always close out our our interview Camille with um, a question about what our guest is reading or a book they would recommend. So what would you like to tell our listeners about?
3: Oh, thank you. I actually wrote a whole thing down because I have about a hundred books that are (laughs) just cracked or half read or Mm -hmm. whatever. It's just endless. And with being in a homeschooling family, that's like all we do is, you know, series and series. So um, my son, Owen, who's seven, just read the entire captain underpants series
1: um Bravo. All, that's a, that's an achievement cuz there are a lot of books in that eight, series 8 books yeah. and he read them in 2 weeks good for him
3: and um he's actually writing an opinion piece right now on why he thinks every child in the world is going to enjoy this series Excellent. um And it involves, you know, the fact that it says things like Professor Poopy Pants Mm -hmm. and, you know, talk about toilets. And I mean, it's exceptional for seven-year-old boys especially. Um, So we just were um, reading. Well, we had read that to him and then he just independently read the whole thing. We're also going back to... um, the Laura Ingalls Wilder series, we're in the middle of On the Shores of Silver Lake. We're like on the last chapter, actually, not in the middle. They're so precious. Oh, my gosh. It's so fun. So we're reading that. We've actually been reading a lot of Nancy Drew recently, okay. too. Nice. We're reading The Ghost on the Bridge. Like the
1: old school. That's yes. That's awesome.
3: Um, and so we read that at night. Um I wrote a list because I'm just so <laughs> off of now. I love um, that
2: some of these are perennials, I know. you know, that have been read yeah. for generations.
3: I'm in the middle of Les Miserables, the um, abridged version. So okay. I'm like a third way through. The abridged, not to be fooled, is like 400 pages of, of lovely yeah. Victor Hugo. And it is actually wonderful. Um, and I am enjoying it. Um, I've always wanted to read it, and I wanted to read it in French. I, I speak French. Mm-hmm. Um but I hadn't um I hadn't read it in French. And now that I speak Spanish pretty much every day. My, my <laughs> yeah. what used to be very fluent French is now feeling very rusty. Mm-hmm. But I'm reading that and I really love just kind of it's funny. I'm so not a a fictional reader. I I just I'm a non-fiction reader. Mm-hmm. I'm just so geeky like that. Um and um but something that I it's just sort of a personal study right now. I'm really looking into leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids in their high school years, um, th- their school is based out of the home, but they actually attend a leadership academy online. Um, and so a big component of their schoolwork has to do with you know, whole child study, not just their... Um, Academic subjects, right. but how they interact with others. Uh, they have very diverse um, families that attend this school, which I think is a lovely opportunity um, because the, it is a student-led classroom. So the uh, the president of the class, that classroom, will say, you know, welcome to class. Please let's offer our attention to our mentor and let's put away, you know, phones, and then mm-hmm. they. Um, Take a minute of silence to gather their their thoughts and put everything away and silence their phones and this and that. And they take each other through and then they kind of monitor the chat and make sure that people are being respectful. And Mm. it's really very interesting to see how they tackle complicated ideas respectfully. And they don't feel the need to kind of dominate one another or be right. Um, I appreciate it. And in their um, middle school years, they followed a course called Who I Really Am, Mm -hmm. which is a leadership um, thing with islands and stuff. And so I've been reading that because I'd love to start something like that in the Eastern Sierra. So my my head has been in this place. And then in the The books that I've been reading, I've been really thinking, been attracted to Mm -hmm. those kinds of books, you know, trying to understand why it is that we feel the way about ourselves and others and community based on real physical actions. So one of the books I'm reading right now that I brought, Mm -hmm. my mom sent this to me, it's called Breath by James Nestor, and it's nonfiction, and Mm -hmm. it's all about you know breathing
1: mm-hmm.
3: and how it affects our countenance and our attitudes and how we how yeah. how we interact with others um you know it's kind of an ancient study if you will but brought into a modern book and then um another book that I'm reading right now that's really blowing my mind actually is called the rabbit effect it's by Kelly Harding Kelly spelled K E L L I and um the 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 basis for this book um is Again, it's another nonfiction. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a medical research book. I'm such Mm -hmm. a weirdo. Um, And it's amazing. So there was um, this woman when she was in medical school, um, the author, Uh um, Mm -hmm. she you know sat there like white coats all this kind of thing real traditional like we've got our bag of tricks and we should be able to heal people and then it, through the course of her practice she encountered a lot of situations where people who you would have thought would have been thriving were not and then people who were not thriving you know so kind of really unhealthy people quote unquote were doing all right mm-hmm. and and then the opposite scenario and she was trying to figure out what the heck is going on here and um then a colleague of hers they founded a research project relating to these um i think it was concurrent that this just was going on and she it was relating to diets in rabbits, you mm-hmm. know just like the typical white mm-hmm. rabbit where they were feeding them this horrendous stuff, like really high fatty foods and mm-hmm. all stuff to try to see if it was just what they ate and how that affected their longevity. So there was an A and a B group, as you know, you find in research. And one of the groups, they were totally fine. Like these rabbits were not dying. Mm-hmm. And they were not even showing any signs of like heart failure mm-hmm. or any of this stuff. Whereas the other ones, they were dropping like flies. And they, so they actually went back and looked back at their procedures and trying to figure out. Were they doing something in their procedures that wasn't actually what they had intended? And they discovered that the grad student who was facilitating in the research in the non-dying group mm-hmm. was, she just couldn't help herself. She would like pick up these rabbits and feed them this awful stuff. But she was like, oh, you're so cute. Oh
2: Aww. my gosh.
3: And, and she would pet them and she moved to, like cuddle and put them up in, against her face and all th- And they were completely impervious to this diet. That's fascinating. Wow. And they, um, so then when they saw what was going on, then they reestablished their research using this actual researcher and then they wrote her into the project Mm. uh, because they were, you know, scientifically not be taken seriously. So they went and actually did it and then implemented that as one of the protocols. Wow. And same thing. (laughs) <laughs> the the rabbits who were loved and cuddled and were treated with kindness thrived so then they started doing a bunch of other research projects and so this book is really interesting i mean it it edifies what we already know but kindness and community and, um, a person's sense of self within a whole system. And if they feel that they can wake up in the morning and make a difference and, um, do right by other people, it really matters, not just to their health, but the health of others. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so that's the kind of stuff I like reading, <laughs> no, <that's laughs> but, awesome. but it's Great. really along the lines of kind of, I guess what I do every day, you know, um, owning a fun shop.
1: Well, you are, <laughs> you are making a difference in our community for all of the people who live here and all the time and for our visitors. So thank you for what you do and what you bring to, to where we
3: live and make it a better place. Thank you. Thanks for having me here to talk about it today.
1: It's really it's really a pleasure. It's been really fun to have you. Camille. It has been. Thank you.
2: I love this. It's been a delightful conversation. And listeners, as always, we will have the links to all of these titles on our on our podcast page and in our social media posts. We have some of these titles in the library, including um, Breath by James Nestor. Uh, we'll probably order Rabbit Effect now because I'm curious about this title based on your description. Camille, thank you for that. In the meantime, listeners, you can always follow us on Instagram or Facebook at O2 Starved. Our podcast webpage, or you can also listen to our episodes as oxygenstarvedpodcast.com follow us subscribe to us and most importantly use that comments link we love to hear from you we love to hear what titles you're reading or your reactions to the titles that we're recommending and you got a slew of them in today's episode in the meantime happy new year it's holiday season happy new year and uh, we will be back in January with some interesting new guests
1: stay safe
0: Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McCloud in Competech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.